0: listening to the revenge of the birds podcast proudly covering the arizona cardinals as a member of the espionation podcast network if you love our content please don't forget to subscribe give us a five-star rating and be sure to share us with a friend thanks so much well welcome in this is the revenge of the birds podcast thanks again for joining us uh, post minicamp. this is our kind of second episode this week and i uh, joined as always by my co-host John Venerable, but we want to jump right in kind of with a quick hitter today. Uh, we've got two main topics we want to cover, um, just some research. I'll have an article up on this this week on revengeofthebirds.com. Uh, John, as we mentioned in our last podcast episode, new writer for that, which is going to be fantastic. So uh, John, are you excited to be a weekly contributor or are you kind of dreading those articles coming in?
1: No, I love I love print journalism. I You know, I also love, I love that the fact that SB Nation's Revenge of the Birds get, gets content out every day. I remember growing up and wanting Cardinal News, and it's not like it wasn't available, but it certainly wasn't. Like it is now, where you can have an article up in five minutes after news breaks, and so that's one of the things I admire most about the site. So just to be a small cog in that, I'm excited about it. And I, I'm going to have some really, knowing me, and if you listen to our podcast, you know, regularly, I'm going to have some strong opinions. That's what I'm going to hopefully bring to the table, but I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Blake.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be great. All right, so let's go ahead and jump in with – this is the first topic I wanted to go over, which is the Cardinals are really this year given only like about a a five-win projection total from Las Vegas. Uh, Vegas usually, as we all kind of know, at least I'm, I'm not one who really partakes in sports gambling, but usually when they say the house always wins, that's because usually for the most part, Las Vegas is pretty accurate. They know for the most part what their predictions. Bavada, um, they had, had some of the odds. The Cardinals had, I believe, the second lowest odds this year, uh, right next to the Miami Dolphins with, uh, of course, Josh Rosen went too. So that's going to be the one thing that's going to be uh, the question that you're going to have as far as with the Cardinals is are those projections right? Uh, The season's win total that they have for 2019 set up right now you're talking about the Arizona Cardinals being at the very bottom so let's go and break this down as far as how often does Vegas get things right and then how often do Vegas get things wrong? We'll take a look at some of these scenarios and situations. Um, We won't go into obviously the over-unders that we'll have but we'll just go over a couple of the teams that you're looking at here you're talking about the cardinals have about a five win total in 2019 is what they're projecting. The rams are having about 10 and a half win total. They had 13 last year. Looking in division, the San Francisco 49ers, they won four games last year. They're projected for eight uh, this year and then the Seattle Seahawks projected for 8.5 slightly ahead of the Niners which it's very interesting because you know last year the Niners were given top 11 in Super Bowl odds. They had an injury to Jimmy Garoppolo slipped way way down for the most part finished with the top two pick um what's interesting when i looked at some of this stuff john is like looked it back at a couple of last few years like the easiest one that i can think of is you look at the cleveland browns lowest odds last year uh, as far as with not just super bowl odds they had a five and a half point odds they jumped up to seven eight and one it still was not as impressive as the chicago bears at about a seven win total at least for that one Uh, they jumped up from a six-win total just from acquiring Khalil Mack. It's one of the few times you actually see a non-quarterback affect the wins total. The lowest odds were the Browns, the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Bears, shockingly enough at least, looking at uh, 2020 hindsight, the Bills, the Jets, the Lions, and then the Skins and the Titans. What's interesting to me, John, there is those are the lowest odds totals to start 2018, and for the most part, those ended up being – Pretty correct. The Browns jumped up a little bit with 7-8-1. and one. It wasn't too much. The Bears jumped up a lot. But really, you're talking about really one team, one team out of those eight that jumped up out of that bottom third of the NFL into kind of the upper echelon for the most part, which is interesting to me, John. It's, it's interesting. Now, there's a, a few other things I looked at going back with the Cardinals. Um, what are some of your thoughts, at least with that 5.5 or that five-win projection for Arizona? Do you think that it's low? Is it about rights? Like if you were, you know, had to lay down to say uh, you know, say you had five hundred dollars, you had to lay it down the Cardinals. Would you take the over? Would you take the under for the team right now as far as that win total?
1: Goodness. I I think they're I have them six and ten. So technically I would do the over by just a game. Um, you hit the nail on the head. You see that ascension normally for win total with the year two quarterbacks. And I think there are a lot of things that go into that. I think that if you're a rookie quarterback, you're going to take your lumps. You're going to have a transition to the NFL. I think you're also going to see a scenario in which a lot of these second year quarterbacks, you're on that rookie contract. That team, if, if they feel comfortable with you, and we got our franchise quarterback, the Deshaun Watson's, Baker Mayfield's, guys who either have taken that second year jump, Patrick Mahomes kind of does it by default. He sat his first year you're on that rookie contract that enables your team to to kind of go nuts in the offseason and spend big time money in an effort to take advantage of your Super Bowl window and a, it sounds crazy to say that for these rookies but you just mentioned the Chicago Bears traded a f- multiple first for Khalil Mack immediately signed him and made him the highest defensive player in the NFL um and so i think that 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 goes hand in hand with a second year jump from the quarterback and also a much improved roster the Cleveland Browns made a bevy of moves this offseason, of course, taking on Odell Beckham and his large salary cap. And so the Cardinals are – we thought that was going to be the scenario for the Cardinals this offseason with Rosen. Clearly not the case. They shed some salary. Uh, they did add a couple pieces, but then they're, they're, they're starting over with their rookie quarterback and, and his contract. So maybe that's next offseason for the Cardinals. So uh, I think you're dead on. You go back to the likes of, you know, the 2012 draft class, Robert Griffin III, Andrew Luck both leading their teams to the playoffs. But, you know, luck is an outlier. He and Bruce Arians, just a magnificent coaching job. Luck is a transcendent talent that that was a bottom five roster in the NFL that he took to the playoffs, had no business being in the playoffs. And then RG three, a run heavy dominant NFL team that I think was three and six and ended up winning out or to make it 10 and six or nine and seven. Uh, But really kind of the outlier Uh, Russell Wilson, you could maybe throw in, but again, that was a Seahawks team that was consistently around 500 until he got there and then a little bit improved quarterback play, at least early on in his career, got them to the postseason. So really, generally, you don't see first overall quarterbacks come in and immediately take their team to not even the postseason, but to, to 500. I mean, Cam Newton had a phenomenal rookie season, both rushing and throwing the football, and they were under 500 significantly. He took his beatings. That that first year, um, you know, we've seen it statistically in Baker Mayfield had a great year last year. I know he only played part of the time. Would they have been a 500 team had he started all 16 games? Probably. But that that Cleveland roster, I think, was probably a top 16 roster last year. They just had such bad coaching and quarterback play combination. What we know now that's not arguable, Blake, is the Cardinals were excited about the rookies. But their best player on defense, outside of Chandler Jones, is suspended for this first six games. They don't outside. Let's let's just put great Pro Bowl players to the side because we know they don't have many. They don't have a lot of good to solid players, right? They've got a lot of average to replacement level players. And then they've got a bunch of unknowns and rookies who we all love because they're rookies. But that you know, not all these guys are going to hit. So we hope some of them do. So at the end of the day. Five and a half, five seems about right. I, Vegas usually knows what they're doing. Last year, I think they had the Cardinals right around there, maybe six. And we were like, that's crazy. They're going to win X amount of games. They yeah. won so many games with with uh, Sam – or not Sam Bradford, but uh, Blaine Gabbert the year before and Drew Stanton. Oh, yeah. turns out that was all Bruce Arians. And the Cardinals should have only won maybe one or two games last season. So – I think Vegas is about dead on. Now, let's see. We got to see a little bit from Kyler Murray. He's the complete mm-hmm. unknown. Maybe they make a couple additions here in the next six to eight weeks. But, you know, temporary expectations. I think you could have a really, as crazy as it sounds, have a really fun six and ten year because last year, good God, was like pulling teeth. So, we could see an improvement and they only win six games.
0: Yeah, it would be very reminiscent of a quarterback like Cam Newton's rookie season. And, like, when you're looking at teams, when you're talking about Vegas missing, Vegas doesn't miss by much. You mentioned they had a five-win total for the Cardinals. Cardinals won three games. They're within kind of two wins. You take a look at just this last year, you talk about the, um, you know, a couple of teams that are the over-under, like the Jets in 2012, you know, they had an eight-and-a-half win total. They went under at six and ten. Bears had an eight and a half win total. They went up at 10 and six. And you talk about the Dallas Cowboys, the perpetual eight and eight team They did an eight win total. And they finished, of course, at eight and eight, which is uh, <laughs> kind of remarkable, at least for how long that's continued. So let's talk about the kind of exceptions, because we mentioned one of them, at least with the Bears. It was a second year. For the most part, it seems like when Vegas does their predictions, like on, on kind of on average, they're kind of within about two wins or so. Cardinals, we even saw last year, they're some three wins. A lot of people, I think, were hoping that this was going to be more of like a seven-win team. Maybe go seven and nine. Maybe you can even get back up to eight and eight if you're lucky. But when we see rookie quarterbacks who are really special rookies, or sometimes it's a rookie second-year starter that they'll have who had at a rough rookie season or wasn't there. Sometimes you do get something with the special ones. And so that's when you take a look at the Seattle Seahawks, like you mentioned with Russell Wilson. They were a 7-9 team before. They were like the worst <laughs> – people call them the worst, uh, you know, playoff team ever, even worse than the 9-7 and seven Cardinals. They go in, steamroll the New Orleans Saints with that beast mode run that was favorable. They have a 7-win team. They're projected for 7 wins the next year despite signing Matt Flynn, bringing in a veteran, having Tavares Jackson – But they have Russell Wilson. They land in the third round. He gets them up to an 11-5 season. Would have probably been a 12-4 season, if not for a life-saving tackle in his rookie game against the Arizona Cardinals. It's about a four-win improvement. You take a look at the skins with RG3, when he basically was their offensive rookie of the year. They had a 10-16 team. They were projected to have just about five games, five and a half wins. So talking about a four-win boost. Continuing that trend, you look at Andrew Luck. They had a five-win projection for their season they finished at nine and seven under Bruce Arian so when you're looking at those three guys and when you take RG3 and look at he was that guy who was on that train to being considered the next special quarterback had that injury and was never the same you see kind of that pattern of these guys who are the upper echelon of quarterbacks the elite I heck you can even look at a quarterback like Deshaun Watson when he came in the at the time that he had left, he basically had them to a 3-3 three and three record. I think they finished 3-4, and four, I believe. They probably were going to win the next game as it was uh, – I believe it was a cakewalk. But they were projected that year as kind of like an eight-win team. Um, he probably would have gotten them to 9-7 and seven when you look at the division. They finished as a four-win team. He added about four or five wins. You look at Watson in kind of that elite category for some people. Some people don't. But they certainly do look at Pat Mahomes, even though he wasn't a rookie. It wasn't his first year starting. He still took an eight win Kansas city total team and brought them up to 12 wins. So uh, I think that's the one thing worth even going back to Matt Ryan, they had a four and 12 season. They finished at 11 and five. It showed just how much an importance of having a really good upper echelon rookie quarterback is for the most part, you're probably adding about four, maybe at most five wins. So with that one total for the Cardinals, maybe you're looking at about capping out at a, a nine win season is what that seems like as far as the upper echelon. And, and that's the case then, you know, we're still talking about rookie wide receivers. We're still talking about an offensive line that's cobbled together. There's got a lot of doubt. We're still talking about a brand new defense. It's still going to have some questions, you know, with the Son linebacker at line background, as you said, is missing Patrick Peterson. So maybe this isn't going to be the type of turnaround you'd expect from the Rams who, you know, were projecting for the same win total as the Cardinals, won 12 games, won their division, or just kind of that huge, incredible turnaround story with Sean McVay, which is kind of led cliff kingsbury to getting hired but john if kyler murray does end up lighting up the league and does kind of end up being the guy who pushes the cardinals over the top is it crazy to think that maybe an eight or nine win season it's maybe six and ten is most likely but is that to say an eight or nine win season is out of the realm of possibility or is this something that is possible if kyler's hype train like arrives into the station at full force and he is that guy that he was as advertised to be
1: yeah, if you want to talk yourself, and I wouldn't advise doing it, mm-hmm. if you want to talk yourself into in, the Cardinals having a winning record this year, here are your bases for, for that. Um, your, your best talking points would be, A, Kyler Murray is a winner, quote-unquote. He did not lose a game in high school. Now, granted, he was on a loaded team, but he was the Texas Football Player of the Year. He was a prodigy in both football and baseball. And so if you want to go off of the winning concept, Quarterback wins. He only lost one game in college, that being the national semifinal game against Alabama, where he played well, or excuse me, he lost two games. He lost, I believe, to Texas, um, and then they lost that semifinal game. So he lost two games last year, um, but was a phenomenal player, won the Heisman Trophy. So that's pretty good. um And then he comes into the NFL, he's the first overall pick. And now you're looking at a Cardinal team that's going to have a last place schedule. So you look at their schedule, it's not great, but it's not as. Last year's schedule in 2018, at least on paper, was much more daunting, in my opinion. I think that the first four to five weeks of this schedule is favorable. Where it gets difficult is in the, the, the home stretch, probably quarter four, if you want to break it into force, um, of the season. Um, with road games at LA and Seattle but I will say that if Kyler Murray is able to weather the storm early on in the season in the sense that if he can produce points for a team that struggled so mightily last year to put up six week in and week out and then you see the Cardinals get Patrick Peterson back by week six and you see the maturation process of some of these young players like Byron Murphy mm-hmm. and Andy Isabella and, you know, several of their defensive linemen, a couple free agent impacts like Jordan Hicks um, and the, and the guy they got Phil, Philbin or Phil in from, from San Diego, or excuse me. Well, the chargers, uh, the yeah, LA line,
0: that's the if, one. If,
1: if they're able to, in the addition of DJ Swearinger last year who they held back in week 17, the, The the one thing I will say about Kyler Murray that is undeniable that, frankly, I love Josh Rosen, he he just didn't have this, is Kyler Murray is his ability to play football and the excitement it brings is contagious. His brand of football is must-see, and it gets people fired up. And I think that that's the same kind of football that we saw being played, like we mentioned, from – Cam Newton early in his career, Robert Griffin III. There's just something about certain players when you when you have the ability to make explosive plays that it's contagious for the rest of the roster. And I think they could ride that wave if things break in a certain way. But again, a lot of other things would have to happen, Blake, outside of Kyler Murray. Players like Hassan Reddick, who we've talked about at Nauseam, would have to take the next step. Terrell Suggs would have to provide Competent pass rushing opposite Chandler Jones, who's he's in his mid-30s now. Is that possible? Can the offensive line hold up? If you're telling me that the Cardinals get, let's say, a combined 30 games from DJ Humphreys and Marcus Gilbert, that's a little bit easier for me to buy. I know I know Larry Fitzgerald's gonna be there. I know David Johnson's gonna be there, but if the offensive line for the most part is 80% intact by week 15, week 16, I'll feel much better about the the progression of Kyler Murray because I know the offensive play caller that Cliff Kingsbury is. And I think that the offensive line is going to play such a vital part in keeping Kyler Murray healthy over the course of the season that if he is given ample time, and we saw the likes of Cam Newton struggle early on in his, his career because of the offensive line issues that Carolina had, but who had a great offensive line? Robert Griffin III. Russell Wilson had a good offensive line early in his career before they you know, traded away his center and their, his left tackle you know, started to fall apart physically. If he's able to get competent offensive line play, I think that is the key because at the end of the day, the Cardinals have shown you that if you're able to score points, Chandler Jones can get after the quarterback, especially going back to a 3-4. We've seen him net 17-plus sacks in a season. So I don't think pass rush would be a problem. But they have to be able to put up consistent points. And last year, they averaged roughly 14 points per game. So again, you want to talk yourself into an improvement offensively. I think, or team-wise, win-wise. I think those are the points that you go toward. But man, it just—it is so hard to try. And I know the transition in the NFL from college football has never been easier for rookie quarterbacks, and that's—that's that's great. We're talking about Cam and RG three. That was almost a decade ago. So we should take solace in the fact that Mahomes, Watson, guys who played in similar schemes came in and and lit the league on fire, Baker Mayfield especially. But I think that until we see a maturation of the receivers he has, the young players there, and the continuity on the offensive line, it's going to be hard for me to project anything more than, than six wins.
0: Yeah, I I would agree because if you're a person who is going to be optimistic and let's say like you're even arguing and saying, hey, the team's back in a 3-4, that'll be a boost. They're still going to get Patrick Peterson back during the tough stretch. You're going to be arguing at least that with Kyler knowing the offense and being able to have a lot more talent around a much better coaching staff. All these things are things that Las Vegas knows and understands and they're still picking that five win total for the Cardinals. And I think a lot of that comes to where – Cliff is still a bit of a mystery where, you know, a, a lot of times when it's that college to pro transition, you see Chip Kelly is the name that's brought up a lot. Well, you know, Chip Kelly ended up, you know, winning, I believe it was, you know, 10 and six, the first two seasons he used in the NFL. And then things just slowly started to collapse on him. So maybe it is a quick start that you're wondering, and then teams adjust and then it's going to be on cliff to have to, you know, do something. Then game planning against NFL defenses, maybe that's some of the effort, but I do think that you're right, John, is that even with all these changes and moves, maybe that number changes or moves up a little bit if the team gets more optimistic. Ultimately, it is like you're saying, Vegas never bets their money, at least on a rookie quarterback. They like to let the fans be the ones who will do that as well. It does say a lot also about how they don't feel like the team has made enough strides in offense or defense. And maybe it's just that this is a very young team. This is a team that did not have a lot of talent. They drafted 11 players and we're picking probably about eight or nine, at least to make the roster. Maybe there's a scenario in which all 11 do. That's just how depleted this team was with their talent. Uh, I kind of feel like over time that I'm a bit more optimistic as far as with that total. I mean, it, I don't think that they're going to be under that total again. I think the big questions are going to be how high do you want to go? Do you want to go above six and get to seven where you think it's a seven win total? Do you feel like you're stretching for eight? There's so much that obviously can go on and can happen with projecting how a season will go. But for me, it's it's hard to be able to know until we actually see this team on the field, John, maybe some of that will be a changeable wonder, you know, why were we so down on the team, or maybe it is one of those cases where you say, Hey, this is a fun team, but you know they went you know six uh, maybe they went you know like six and uh what do you want six and nine and one essentially for that team maybe that
1: yeah they could be the bucks from last year who scored a ton of points mm-hmm. but were a train wreck defensively which I don't think the Cards are going to be that bad but they still ended up with a top 10 pick but they were super fun to watch Fitzmagic had all those comebacks and had multiple touchdown games and you know, I thought played pretty well, and Jameis had a couple of good games, and they still were a top 10 team. I mean, it's hard to win games in the NFL. Right. Yeah. You can have fun being a competent to above average offense, which we think they could be, mm-hmm. and they've got enough, you know, star players on defense. I, I, would it would it shock me if they got to eight and eight? I mean, geez. I, I think it's it's tough to go that far just based on what we saw last year, but they've made such significant wholesale changes that. If if they catch lightning in a bottle, they, they could conceivably do it. But, again, yeah. we, we aren't even talking about Cliff Kingsbury and his inability to coach in the NFL because we just don't know. Yep, exactly.
0: And I think that's the biggest key for me is when you're mentioning the Bucks. Bucks had, like, the worst pass defense of anyone last year. Like, Fitzmagic was thrown for five touchdowns in a game, and they, you know, or I think it was he threw for three, and then they had two others were rushed for, and they outscored because the other team had six. So that's one thing that's curious to me as well as the fact that you talk about the Browns last year, starting off with that 5 win projection, finishing 7-8-1. and one. one of those losses was very, very close. One of them even was a tie. Could have very easily had a, two of those games shifted. All of a sudden, you're talking about a team that, you know, is 9-7 and seven suddenly. A lot of times, it's the undisciplined youth of those teams is why it goes down that way. What's curious to me is that was a team that had Hugh Jackson as their coach to begin with. That was a team that caught lightning in a bottle late once Freddie Kitchens took over. The Bucs were a team that just had a bad, bad offense. To me, I'm just curious, what happens if you have Cliff Kingsbury as the head coach for the whole season with him and that offense? I'm just curious where I don't know if I can say that I think they're closer to eight and eight than five and 11. But honestly, it wouldn't shock me if we're talking about, I wouldn't, you know, if I'm betting my $500 down, I'd put it down at seven and nine and feel Pretty comfortable with it for the most part because I feel like getting back to the 3-4, all of those things will help with the team. But as far as when you say, hey, would you put that on an 8-8, eight and eight? that's where I'm like, I don't know. There's a lot of things that can happen. It's a rookie. But one of the things that we do know will happen is the Cardinals are going to have more fantasy relevance this year than they will last year. So let's go real quick over some of these projections. Um, I did a quick check. from These are all from Mike Clay, ESPN. Um, we'll kind of wrap up the show with this with kind of some questions. We'll kind of shoot back and forth if you think the over-unders will work. First of all, the projections he had for the Cardinals for the total number of points that they scored, he had that number at least at 360, which if you're looking at where that would be last year, last year was 19th. Same as Minnesota, you had other teams like Cleveland, San Fran, Dallas, the Jets, Cardinals of course were 32nd. It was good for top 20 in the league at 360 last that's year. 22.5 so points per game, that's yep. over a touchdown a touchdown and roughly a half. yep. Mm -hmm. So the question on John, would you take the over on that? Or would you take the under if you had to say, or would you kind of take the push? Like you'd say that sounds about right, but would you take the over under if you had to, as far as total number of points for this team?
1: Oh man, that's so hard. I so badly want to take the over and that's not even, I'm not saying that they're going to be a top 10 offense, but goodness, I, I, I am, I'm very high on Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know if he's going to be a great head coach, but I know he can call plays. And I love David Johnson, and I, I'm i high on Christian Kirk and Larry's back. The offensive line, I don't care for. You know that. But if Kyler Murray is plays 16 games, I think I will go over on that slightly. I think they, they'll be – a top 16 offense. I'll go 16th. I think they and that's a huge improvement. I think they're going to score yes, roughly 23 to 24 points per game. I think we're going to see some games that they are in the 30s and I think they we'll see a couple games where they could hit 40 once or twice. During the last play schedule and they play some teams with some questionable defenses, I think the Cardinals are going to be right around 16 in the NFL. And that's a huge I can't even stress how big of an they were so stone age offensively last year. So I will go over on that just because I think I think Murray's got I I'll make this prediction. Now I think I think he's got a chance to break the total shot record for rookie quarterbacks not passing, but just total total. Um and I, I think that, that would that would give them a top sixteen offense. So I'll go over.
0: Yeah, I would also take the over and especially when I go over some of these numbers that was total from clay for like every touchdown that was accounted for from their defenses from the points that they had that they had added up so when I go over some of those you'll start hearing the numbers and it's kind of like because we're expecting a, maybe not an offensive boom, but we're expecting a large, pretty significant improvement it's kind of like a really like that's that's where you're looking at now. For context, the Kansas City Chiefs and the LA Rams are at 565, 527 points. So they were in some high, high-scoring games. I do think that if Arizona's missing Patrick Peterson, that may lead to some of those where the other team's putting up points. You have to get out there and you have to score. So that's one thing that I'm very um, excited for. Uh, just looking back into the 2017 regular season, as far as for points total for like the big jump you can talk about, uh, this would be kind of the best case scenario. The LA Rams jumped up to 29.9 points a game in 2017 when it last year in the 2016, you're talking about the Jared Goff, the last year with Jeff Fisher, they had 14. So you went from 14 points a game to 30. You doubled your point total essentially. So that would be, if you're talking about for the Arizona Cardinals, that would be crazy they got into the top 10. That's me would be kind of my upper echelon. I'd kind of fall a little bit between there and where you're at, John, where I don't think it's going to be top 10, but I'd probably go top 15 a little bit higher than that. You're still talking about, again, a huge points per game um, leap for the Arizona Cardinals who were at, again, 14 last year. Uh, Let's go to the individual players as well. So we'll start with kind of everyone's number number one fantasy topic with David Johnson. He's looking at right now a projection uh, from last year. He's looking at about 1,069 yards, nine touchdowns. Uh, He's got 56 catches for 553 yards and then three catches there. So when you're looking at the grand total, he only gets about an extra 150 yards from last year. Last year he had 940 yards. He had seven touchdowns rushing, three touchdowns passing, and under about 450 yards there. So they only added about 150 yards total to David Johnson for that one as far as that. So, John, would you take the over as far as DJ this year or the under for some of those totals?
1: I'll go way over, uh, I think rushing wise, I think he's safe for about 1200. He's never been like a, a, like a 1800 yard rusher. That's not his game because he's such a dominant pass catcher. So I'll go roughly 1200. And I think, I think between nine to tw- uh, 12 touchdowns is safe. So that's not as egregious as the pass catching totals. Think about the Cardinals are going to be behind in a lot of games, we assume, um, all the opportunities for checkdowns to DJ, like Saquon had in New York last year, Murray's going to be. He and Murray are going to be probably checking it down a fair amount late in games, getting those garbage yards. The Cardinals are going to be probably the kings of garbage fantasy stats this year. It's possible. Um, so I,
0: possible.
1: I, I, think that unless they're winning games, I think that uh, DJ is going to go. Man, I, I think, I think he could go for like seven hundred yards receiving. Um, and so he'd be on the cusp of 2,000 yards total from scrimmage. And so 700 yards plus 1,200 yards, roughly 1,900 yards. And I think, I think, it's, I think he's safe for 15 touchdowns. That's, that's my projection. Last year, I mean, like, you look at his numbers from last year and you think, how did he score that many TDs? The team was so bad, and he, and he still crossed the – I mean, like, you do the math, and most people know this, it's 60 yards per game to, to get to 1,000 yards, either rushing or yeah. receiving. I mean, like, I, I think he easily gets to that rushing-wise. And then, like, receiving-wise, I mean, you you get three checkdowns in a game. That's that's going to be probably, like, 30-plus yards receiving. So, I'm going to go way over on that.
0: Yeah, I'm also going over – I think that you're right on the rushing yards, I think, are the ones that are going to take a huge leap. Because when you talk about the rec- – and I think I think both could. Because as a receiver, they're going to line him up and use him in a lot more advantageous versus – he was just a check down guy last year for the most part. They had a few big plays that they used him downfield, but you know we've seen the numbers. They just ran him up the middle under Mike McCoy for probably the first six games or so and really struggled to figure out how to use him Uh, I think that his rushing yards will go up particularly because he's going to have another, uh, not running back essentially, but another rushing threat in the backfield in Kyla Murray that teams are going to have to be aware of. That's going to mean that David Johnson's going to get a lot more chances to one-on-one coverage, break tackles. I think that your 1,200 at least is great. I could see him, you know, having one of the top five fantasy seasons this year. And then as far as a receiver, if they use him for just a few more of those downfield threats, I think that 700 number is pretty good. I don't know if he's going to break 2,000 yards this year. It depends really on how much they push the ball with Cliff Kingsbury, if they spread it around, um, especially if Kyler Murray takes off for runs for a lot of yards, that's going to take some of those rushing yards away from David Johnson. Um, I don't know if he's going to hit the 20 touchdowns up there, but I think when you're talking about 12 to 15, that seems about right. And as we've seen with Kyler in college, he really spread the ball around a lot. Um, We're going to actually, unfortunately, this is weird. Normally you'd have Larry Fitzgerald as the number two fantasy option, but instead this year it's Christian Kirk, being projected to probably have about uh, 92 targets, 58 catches. They give him 775 yards. They give him three touchdowns overall. John, I would smash that. And I I think that you would too.
1: (laughs) Go to Vegas right now and put your 401k on Christian Kirk, eclipsing those totals. That is an egregious number. That's a slap in the face. He clearly did not watch him last year. I don't blame him. I wouldn't watch the Cardinals last year either. Um, Kirk had over 600 – almost 600 yards receiving last year in like 12 games, 13 games, oh, an and awesome it was team. a historically bad offense. Yep. He, is, he is going to eclipse 1,000 yards receiving this year. I bet my life on it. And I think double-digit touchdowns is not out of the realm of the possibility. I think he is the, the best
0: return right pins, now. So that we know, too. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: He is the best until Isabella and, and Keem Butler uh, ascend and, and separate themselves – Kirk is the best deep threat on the team. He can separate. We saw that last year. He's he's only going to get better. He's going to take that second-year leap. I think he is going to hit 1,200 yards receiving. I don't know how many catches he's going to have. I don't really care because I think that he's got the ability. I mean, you saw it against Oakland. Saw it against San Francisco. Yep, yep, he can yep. make plays, and he can take a five-yard out route or a hitch and take it 60 yards. So that is that is egregious. I, I, I That's clearly somebody who is not – in tune with the Cardinals from a, from a local perspective. Cause like anybody else who, who is affiliated with this team, and if you had to pick a breakout player on offense outside of Murray, that is, he is so safe to hit a thousand yards. It's, it is based on, outside of injury, if he gets hurt, it's one thing, but Larry right now is, you know, the, the face of the Cardinals. He's not their best receiver anymore. Kirk is their best receiver.
0: Yeah, and the thing that's interesting to me is these numbers that were projected for last year. We, we it didn't take into account the fact that Christian Kirk missed four games at the end of last year, and that was the only time that we saw the offense. You know, put a little bit more points on the board was kind of during that last final stretch. Uh, there wasn't obviously during the. He would have hit those outcome. totals had he
1: played Blake at the end of yeah. the year. Oh, yeah, he would have hit, hit those, close those totals. totals. He played last
0: year exactly, and that's where it's like it didn't take that into projection. So I think that's the easiest one that you can make. He also played with Kyler Murray as a rookie, and when you're talking about a fit in the offense, he fits fantastic. I think that this is the easiest one, obviously, to hit the over for all of those different totals. Um, it would not surprise me if he becomes the Cardinals' breakout fantasy star. Uh, the next player that we have here, at least, is going to be Larry Fitzgerald. His uh, kind of receiving, they gave him a little bit less as far as in last year: 65 receptions on 102 targets. 729 receiving yards. They gave him five touchdowns as well. I think this is interesting because if he's going to play inside in the slot, if he's going to be able to put up, I think that rather than and this maybe age catches in, maybe it is one of those spots where he does go back a step. But considering the fact of how they really force fed him the ball, the fact that the Cardinals are ultimately going to be using, I think a lot of either 11 or 10 personnel, Fitz might end up kind of taking over some of that tight end role. I think I would take the over on receptions. Definitely. Um, We know Kyler likes to spread the ball around, but I think I'd take the over on receptions. They will be throwing the ball a lot more in an air raid type offense. Touchdowns are the ones I'm not sure of. I think those are going to go to DJ or Kirk, like you said, but I think that the big question is the hundred and the 729 receiving yards. Is this a year where Fitz gets back to a thousand yards or is this going to be kind of the new standard for Larry Fitzgerald is your typical 70 catches for 750 or like 70, 75 catches for 750 yards what are your thoughts on that John?
1: I think I've been saying this for the last couple months I think he could be the, the the hybrid wide receiver tight end for this team and so that he's going to suffer a little bit from a yardage standpoint because I think the big explosive plays are going to come from Kirk the rookies like you mentioned David Johnson um, Larry I I could conceivably see Larry hit double digits in, in pass catching touchdowns um, from Kyler Murray uh, Catchy catches wise I think he could be somewhere like you mentioned in the, in the 70s and I think his sweet spot is right around 800 yards, and I think the Cardinals would absolutely take that, especially oh, yeah. if you if you have Kirk eclipsing 1,000 yards, like we assume he's going to do. And Fitzgerald and and DJ are at 700, Larry's at 800. I mean that that's a healthy mix, and then you you sprinkle in potentially you know six seven hundred yards combined from Isabella and Hakeem Butler. Maybe that's that's low, but I'm just conservatively speaking. Um, I think that's a healthy mix, uh, from, from this, from this receiving core. Uh, and I would have no problem with that. I don't think anybody expects Larry to contribute, you know, from a a large receiving yardage portion. Larry is going to be there for those clutch catches on third down, obviously a red zone target, uh, leadership mentorship in the locker room. He's definitely worth the money. Um, and so I I think that consistently giving you 800 yards and a potential for double digit touchdowns is, is enough.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, – I, I mean, not everyone can get double-digit touchdowns. I don't know if Fitz hits that type of mark, but what I am curious about is because we know Kyler can extend plays and because we know that Larry Fitzgerald can find the soft spot and read defenses, I would be fine with taking the over on those you know five touchdowns as well just because I can see a couple scenarios where Kyler's in the pocket, they're coming after him or they blitz and he's able to scramble away. If Fitzgerald understands, sees where he's able to separate just with that savvy veteran mentality – And we all know that Kyler has got the arm and the accuracy to get it to him. So I don't know if I would go with double digit touchdowns, but I do think we could see a resurgence. Is it a wide receiver one type of resurgence? I, I don't know. I feel comfortable with giving that to Kirk. Uh, Let's talk about Kyler himself, because he's kind of the next one on this list. They're looking at about 314 completions, 500 pass attempts, which is interesting because they give him 3,661 yards, 22 touchdowns, 13 picks, and then rushing for 586 yards and two touchdowns. So for me, the 586, to me, that makes a lot more sense than that 300 number I've seen some people put out. That's almost 600 yards rushing on the ground. That's 3,600 yards passing, which would be phenomenal as far as for a rookie passer like you want to talk about with um, looking at Baker Mayfield's stats last year uh, as far as for what he got. Where not only did he set the um, record for passing touchdowns, breaking Peyton Manning, which that had been around since like the two thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baker passed for 3,725 yards, 27 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. So you're talking about Kyler eclipsing higher numbers than Baker Mayfield had overall. You're talking about Kyler. They projected him with, uh, I believe, 22 touchdowns, and then they only gave him, I think it was two rushing touchdowns. I think he's going to be probably more closer to six or seven from two. So you're talking about, like you said, John, he would surpass what Baker Mayfield did, at least statistically in the overall category, wouldn't for the passing touchdown and for passing yards. But would you take the over here? Do you think Kyler is going to blow that out of the water, or do you think that this is probably a fair assessment for him and you take the under?
1: Yeah, I think he's going to be – I think it's going to be hard-pressed to get more than 25 TDs passing. I I would go slightly over. I think maybe 24-25 is a safe assessment. Again, garbage time. Don't don't discount that when the Cardinals are down. And, excuse me, the Cardinals just weren't able to take advantage of that in so many games last year. Um, Like you mentioned, Blake, I think the passing yardage is fine. I would push on that. Uh, I think he is going to eclipse 500 rushing yards easily. I, I, would, I would go over on that. I think he could have um, 600 yards on the ground. Again, that is – we talk about it. That is only roughly 40 yards rushing per game and Kyler's ability to make plays out of the pocket with his feet. Um, I would go over on the rushing totals and uh, I would go over on the, on the rushing TD totals. Again, I think he's going to come, come around with roughly 30 total touchdowns next year. Um, I'm not certain what the rookie total touchdown record is, um, but I think that he's going to be right around that that early low 30s, I should say, mark between rushing and receiving. Um, and I think that those statistics are, from a passing standpoint, are pretty accurate.
0: Yeah, gosh, and that's just crazy when you're talking about him. This is a guy who, when he rushed, you know, the average 7.2 yards per carry rushed for 1,000 yards What's crazy was he was, I believe, the first player, had 300 yards passing and then 70 yards rushing just because he's so quick twitchy. Russell Wilson averaged only about 30 yards or so per rushing. We talk about a rushing and running quarterback. Um, So that's one of the things that's going to be insane to be able to see is I would obviously take the over on those rushing numbers as well just because – like you said, it's 40 yards a game. Kyler averaged about 60. If you say you're going to be at 40, and let's say he gets up to 45, like somewhere in between the college, that's, that's a pretty realistic projection, especially considering the fact that I think Cliff is going to run him out a bit more because then you have to keep a guy to watch the run. That'll open up passing lanes for Kyler and then running lanes for David Johnson as well. Let's wrap it up here real quick with the last couple of projections that we have so far. Look at two of the guys together with Andy Isabella. They put a little bit more stock into him being a second round pick. I think the fact that he was taken early also helps. They put him about 543 yards, 41 catches, three touchdowns. They only gave him a 13.2 yards per catch, which is pretty good. It wasn't the same. It was about the same as Christian Kirk's, but those are kind of the same numbers that Kirk had last year, a little bit less on the, actual number of receptions but John if this is the case for Andy Isabella I would go a little bit above on the yards uh, per catch average but this would be a fantastic rookie season for him in my opinion going down to Akeem Butler they gave a little bit less 31 catches 472 yards pushed him up about 15 or so average with three touchdowns John I, I could see one of these two guys getting maybe a few more than that but again for rookies like if you get more than five touchdowns as a rookie and the NFL as a wide receiver. You're, you're booking it for that. What, what do you think as far as for the over-unders? What do you like about both of those players?
1: I think both of those are dead on. I think that we're going to see the ascension of both these players if they contribute this year, coming year two. Uh, I think that both are going to have their their moments, the, maybe a, a standout game or two, explosive plays here or there. But uh, it's going to be tough to eclipse Um, Anything that that Fitz and Kirk do, I think they just need to carve out their role this year, refine their their route running techniques and, um, you know, focus on helping the team in, in any way possible what Kingsbury asked them to do. But yeah, 400 plus yards for both, I think would be very, very nice. And I would take that today.
0: Oh, definitely would. Um, Keyshawn Johnson, it's hard to get into for some of those stats. The um, biggest thing I would say with Butler is I could see similar statistics to the 31 catches for 472 yards. I'd take it down. I think that he's not going to be as involved as far as a role with that, but they will give him a specific and defined role, whether it's on the outside or not. I could see him having maybe 25 catches for the same number of yards. That'd be about an 18 yards per catch average. That seems to be more in line with where – He was used collegiately as a deep threat. I could see him being a guy who could find a mismatch, have a very specific and set role where they can see something on film. Burns' defense gets a couple of big, exciting touchdowns as he develops. Um, We could get into the other ones like the Charles Clay. one. He's he's probably not going to have as much of an impact. They put about 200 yards and a touchdown, about 19 catches. That makes some sense. Um, The last thing that we have, of course, is this Cardinals defense. Now, the Cardinals defense last year, obviously – were pretty much a weak fantasy team. They were able to have enough sacks for the most part because of you know Chandler Jones being able to be there. Steve Wilkes was able to bring pressure and get sacks. Didn't have very many takeaways at all. They only had seven interceptions. They did a 49 sacks on the year, uh, allowed probably about, 5,700 seven, 5, yards. Um, and then uh, <laughs> the uh, only had three touchdowns, at least for the most part as far as our defense or special teams. Actually, in 2019, surprisingly enough, Uh, The 2019 projections were worse with 40 sacks, which would be lower. It'd be probably like the worst in the league for this year. 10 interceptions. They put those back up, um, recovering about the same nine fumbles and two touchdowns. But what they did mention in the article was they said that they are a deep sleeper that should be at the top of their list. They weren't as good at forcing turnovers and points allowed, but because of the fact they're ranked fifth in sacks, they were top in tackles for loss, and then they added Terrell Suggs, Phylon Hicks, Alford, plus DJ Swearinger and a Byron Murphy to Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson, Buda Vega, keep them on your radar, make sure that you're aware of them. And I think that that's where I could see this Cardinals team essentially for fantasy, but uh, maybe they were not going to be a top team as far as takeaways. Maybe DJ Swearinger helps with some of that with Patrick Peterson. out. You don't know how Byron Murphy is going to do, but I could see this team generating a lot more sacks this upcoming year because you're having an aggressive attacking defense. Vance Joseph had a top fantasy defense the last few years because he knows how to get, pressure he knows how to force that they've got a plenty of guys in the corner john i i would not be surprised to see the cardinals end up being despite the fact that they're going to give up a lot of yards and a lot of points potentially uh, especially patrick peterson's gone i think those sack and those interception numbers maybe you're talking about a top 15 i don't know if i can say top 10 but a much higher ranked fantasy unit overall uh, and their special teams we all know they kept jeff rogers um they're going to at least have hopefully a better punting game they've got christian kirk probably returning punts again maybe andy isabella I could see them taking a pretty big jump. I don't think they're going to be obviously a top defense in the league, but for fantasy purposes, I, I would be a, I would definitely go and consider drafting the Arizona Cardinals this year.
1: Yeah, I'm not as high on them, Blake, uh, just because you know, I can't go off what I saw too much last year, but most of the personnel is back, um, and they didn't upgrade their defensive line to the extent that I don't think they have a, di- uh, a, a disruptor, a, a significant star on the defensive line. I have concerns that inside linebacker, uh, I have concerns mm-hmm. with Hassan Redick. I have concerns with Terrell Suggs' age. Clearly, the Patrick Peterson suspension is a huge blow to this team. You're going to be asking a lot of young guys to play, probably before they're ready, or they're going to have to go out and sign average to below average veteran. So you're you're looking at a kind of a imperfect storm. You're going to be learning a new defensive system for the second year in a row. I just I feel like this defense. The only the only thing that I'm more positive of than, than last year that I know is going to be different is they're not going to be put in so many unsuccessful uh, situations or situations that are difficult because of the amount of turnovers the Cardinals did have offensively last year, pick sixes from rows and fumbles. Um, you know, they're backed up with three and outs, consistently put in bad field position. The, the fact that the Kyler Murray and the Cardinal offense is going to be improved um, to the likes of, we hope, a top 20 unit, uh, that's going to help Vance Joseph's defense. Um, in the extent that they're going to be put in better positions to be successful. But I I just think that the Cardinals, they had to put defense kind of on hold this offseason because the offense had to be addressed. I don't blame them for that. And so I'm not expecting a phenomenal defensive effort this year. I think that they're, you know, I think they're better from a coaching standpoint. I don't know how much we're going to see that translated on the field. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I, I think they're probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of, um, probably right around nineteen twenty twenty one.
0: 20, 21. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see. I, I will say this though. I would not be shocked if those sack totals do go up because you see Chandler Jones is going to be moving back into that three, four. Um, and it wouldn't shock me because of the fact that Terrell Suggs is now on the team. Maybe he's not a full-time player necessarily, but uh, again, I could easily see the Cardinals eclipsing their sack total from last year. And that would be Uh, sensational if they could. So those would be the biggest areas where if you're looking about sacks or forcing turnovers, that's your biggest positivity. Your negatives, like John said, is maybe giving up yards. Reddick's a question. Um, You're not sure if the Cardinals are improving enough against the run from their 2018 uh, run defense into 2019. That's it. That's our projections. That's kind of our take on it. We'll get to see how right or wrong we are. I think obviously I'm probably the highest on a Kyler Murray, considering the fact that you're going to be talking about with him and Kirk I think that's going to be a combination that'll be fun to watch for this year. Um, it's very exciting.
1: Absolutely. Blake, I think the offense is going to be the bright spot for this year. I think everybody needs to take uh, a deep breath and just enjoy the season for what it is. And hopefully we see the maturation of some young players and we see some good coaching from Cliff Kingsbury and we can be excited about a potential playoff birth come 2020 and some marquee
0: additions to, to go along with what we hope is a solid foundation. Oh, uh, preaching to the choir here, brother, preaching to the choir. All right. Thanks so much again for joining us. That'll wrap up this edition of the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, Thanks again so much for everyone listening. We shout out to our international listeners. Last time we want to give a shout out to our local listeners for this episode, especially I know there's a lot of bird game members who've been interacting with people who maybe aren't local or being able to, whether it's tickets for people out of town, whether it's people who are, you know, I'm just kind of providing or passing along whether it's information or just being a part of a bigger community than just this area. And you know, being able to have a welcoming community for those who do come in. Thanks so much, guys, again for listening. If you don't want to catch this, we are on RevengeOfTheBirds.com. You can see at the very beginning, uh, the very front page. Actually, we've got our own section pinned up there now with all of our latest episodes. Um, feel free to go ahead and listen to some of our backlog. You can see how right or wrong we were, maybe in some of our takes or predictions. You can also listen in on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Podcasts, Spotify Radio especially. Just search for Revenge of the Birds um, and you'll find us. Uh, Thanks again for listening for me and John. uh, Make sure obviously John's going to have his articles coming up for uh, Revenge of the Birds, which is super exciting. We're all excited for that. Uh, Be on the lookout for that. All right, folks, take care. You have a wonderful rest of the time. Um, Take care. Bye from me and John.